Thanks for downloading this episode of On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, the podcast about how technology is changing the world of communications. To subscribe to the podcast or share feedback, visit us online at ontherecordpodcast.com, on Twitter at ontherecord, or send email to ontherecordpodcast at gmail.com. Our guest today is Bob Conrad. He's the communications officer for the Nevada Department of Conservation of Natural Resources and the author of The Good, the Bad, the Spin. Bob, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Eric. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, Nevada's a hot state, and uh, I imagine there's some thirsty people out there. Um, And I imagine water is uh, something that uh, you guys deal with, and I guess the rights for water. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. Our role uh, for the the State Department of Conservation and and Natural Resources is we uh, adjudicate water rights and uh, and appropriate uh, water rights. So when uh, somebody is in need of a water right, they come to our department to apply for that water right, and we have to um, help determine whether or not there's water available. If it is available, uh, how much is there? And uh, if we appropriate it, will that will that water right uh, impact existing water rights and other factors such as, um, you know, will it impact the environment or sensitive species and things like that? Well, when, when, you know, when you turn on the hose in your garden or, you know, you fill up the bath, you take a shower, you know, you can leave the hose running and no one comes and really arrests you. Uh, You know, why is, is water a finite resource? It's not a finite resource, at least to the the best of my understanding. Um, Groundwater in Nevada um, does get recharged, so it is a a, a resource that that gets replenished. Um, As far as leaving your hose running, that's that's an issue that's really determined by municipalities. And if we're speaking of Las Vegas, which uh, is the one that's usually in the news as far as water use, uh, actually they do, they do and they can come by and issue citations if you're leaving water running uh, in your yard and you're not putting it to, um, to use that's, uh, that the municipality has defined as appropriate. Well, now I know that Google knows what I'm searching, but how does the city know how much water I'm using? How would they have any idea? Well, uh, I'm, I'm guessing, and I don't know the particulars because each city is different, but I'm guessing that I, I know that in Las Vegas, I'm sure uh, their, their water is metered. I know a lot of it in Washoe County, where I live, is. So they can determine how much water you're using, and they charge you by how much you use. Um, so that, that is something that, that can be determined, and actually your neighbors can, can report you if they think you're overusing water or using it irresponsibly. So, you know, when I go when you go to Vegas, you know, you see these big displays, you know, with water like the uh, at the Bellagio, they have that fountain that just sprays water up in the air and you just can see the evaporation just, you know, taking off. And then when you come in, you see these golf courses that, you know, you know don't belong. I mean, I I shouldn't say don't belong, but it's, they're not indigenous to the terrain, and they obviously require a lot of water to support. Um, so, I mean, how does, how does 
how do the, these these property owners, these hospitality companies, justify? What's the rationale for them to be able to use as much water as they use? How do they justify it? Sure, sure. That's a that's a a, a really good question because it's one that I'm sure the city of Las Vegas and, and really Clark County in general has to answer uh, quite often. Um, the data, as I understand it, is that the, the actual total water use in uh, Southern Nevada Water Authority service area is um, that the vast majority is residential. So even though you see water being used in what may appear to be grandiose ways, uh, it's actually the residents, the, the homes, and the homeowners that constitute, I think it's almost 50% of the wa- total water use in that area. Resorts, uh, the, you know, the hospitality, uh, the casinos, and things like that actually constitute about seven percent of the water use. Commercial and industrial uh, uh, entities use about thirteen or fourteen percent. Um, so, when it comes to things like golf courses, um, actually, I'm pretty sure that if not most all golf courses uh, use uh, treated effluent, um, that is water that's already been used. Um, to irrigate, irrigate the golf courses. If, if not all of them are using them, they will be I'm almost for certain within the next few years. Uh, when it comes to the casinos and the fountains and, and so forth, uh, they use, I'm pretty sure they use capture treatment uh, systems, so they're actually reusing water in those uh, instances as well. I hope that answered your question. So now I'm looking at two lists here, and uh, one is 2008 single-family residential water use, and uh, I see here at the top Don King. I imagine that's the uh, the fight promoter. Um, he uh, has a property that is 5,358 square feet, uh, yet he used 300 and 58,000 gallons per square foot. Mm-hmm. How could you possibly use that much water per square foot with a small place like that? You know, I don't know that specific instance. And really, again, because you know, our, our role with the state has to do, we're, we're really a statewide agency. Um, the, the actual details of, of water use in municipalities really fall under local jurisdiction. So, uh, as much as I would like to be able to answer that question, it's really a question that would be ha- would have to be addressed by the Southern Nevada Water Authority and how they would um, help encourage conservation among its top water users. I wonder if it has anything to do with the hairdo, because you know, you, yeah, especially if it was hard water. That would maybe propel the dew upwards. And then the other list I see here. Uh, 2008 single-family residential water use, and at the top is a Prince Jeffrey Bolkai of Brunei who used 17.3 million gallons of water in 2008. I mean, when you see something like that, somebody, people, say, you know, you hear people say, and I've heard this from people in the business of water, that you know, tomorrow's wars will be fought not over oil but over water. Is that true? You know, in the West, I would say that's a, a, probably a fairly realistic statement. Uh, you, the, the West has 
has been uh, built on water controversies, and they are never-ending. And it's a, it's a very emotionally charged issue. Well, as well, far as the, the Prince Jeffrey of uh, Brunei, is it? Um, you know, I would guess that somebody like that would present quite a challenge to the Southern Nevada Water Authority. They obviously encourage conservation, I would imagine, with pricing uh, and, you know, charging. You know, the more water you use, the more you pay. But if you're somebody like this individual, where money is presumably a limitless resource, uh, they can probably afford to use that much water. So I would guess that the that Clark County or the city of Las Vegas would, would view that as a significant challenge. I don't want to speak for them, but um, that would be my assumption. It's funny, you know, we, we, we spend so much time talking about uh, conservation and environmentalism from the standpoint of fossil fuels. But, I mean, here I'm looking at this article here from the Las Vegas Review-Journal, and it says, it's a 2008 article, second place in water usage was Pierre Omadayar. He's the founder uh, of eBay. My gosh. Okay. And, and his 33-bedroom uh, mansion on seven acres uh, at the gateway uh, to Anthem uh, required 13.8 million gallons of water, 5,000 uh, million more than any other home in Henderson. It just seems so overwhelming. And it's, if, if it is an issue of conservation rather than of, of money, then why would an individual be allowed to consume that much water? You know, again, um, you know, certainly all appearances are, are that, you know, some, some increased conservation efforts could be going on there. Um, but without speaking, you know, for the specifics of this situation or this individual, uh, you know, really that would have to be an issue that, that the Southern Nevada Water Authority would hopefully be addressing if they're not already. Already. Do you think now that I've asked that question in this podcast that next time I bid on eBay, I'm not going to be able to close the deal? Is that because, I mean, everybody knows everything now. The other thing I see here is Daniel Greenspun of Greenspun Media Group, uh, publishers of the Las Vegas Sun, used 8.8 million gallons of water in 2008 for his seven-acre spread in Green Valley, of all places. And let's see what that is. On a per-square-foot consumption basis, that is... That's wow. That is eight point seven. Well, no, he used eight point seven million gallons, and his size of his property is about three hundred seventeen thousand square feet. Um, now that that is actually something that that I will comment on because the uh, the Las Vegas Sun is a is a publication online and in, in print that I that I deal with on a regular basis um, because of the nature of my job, and it was it was very interesting. It's very interesting to see that that Daniel Greenspun is presumably a you know one of the third or within the top ten water users of Las Vegas because the Sun actually ran a very compelling and I thought very in depth uh, series of articles I believe it was in 2008 might have been 2007 about the issue of water in Las Vegas and it was a uh, in my opinion a very good series I mean it had some some issues that weren't quite correct. Uh, the smoking gun in one of the stories was not not quite 
how I would have characterized it, but uh, it really traced the history of water use and, and the politics of water use in Las Vegas. So when, when you have a, a publication that runs such a compelling series like this, and presumably the pub, one of the publishers or somebody involved with the family of publishers is one of the top water users, it, it definitely raises uh, a question as to um, what's going on here. <laughs> Um, so I, I don't have the answer to that, but I, I will say that the Sun has been very uh, consistent in its coverage of the water issues, and uh, I, I think rightfully so. Um, but at the same time, if the Review Journal, which is the competitor to the Las Vegas Sun, even though the papers are bundled together, uh, raises that point, I, I think that's also very interesting and certainly part of the a legitimate part of the discussion. You probably think it's the Bellagio Fountain or the golf courses in Las Vegas that use the most water in the state. It's actually a number of celebrities, uh, many of whom you know, and we're going to find out who they are when we come back. Uh, We are talking to Bob Conrad. He's the communications officer for the Nevada Department of Conservation of Natural Resources. Stay with us. This January 2011, Paul Gillen and Eric Schwartzman bring you the first book devoted exclusively to B2B social media communications. Packed with business-to-business case studies and applied knowledge, Social Marketing to the Business Customer is the most comprehensive collection of B2B social media marketing guidance ever assembled. B2B markets are driven by value and relationships. That's very different from B2C markets. This book's a hands-on guide. It walks business people step-by-step through the process of using social media to find and engage business customers and ultimately drive more revenue. Social Marketing to the Business Customer is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, and Borders. Or buy it at our show blog at ontherecordpodcast.com. Also available for iPad and Kindle. this story here the average valley home uses 29 gallons of water per square foot and uh, uh, just to uh, get a sense of who uses the most water in the state um, singer Celine Dion community uh, comedian Jerry Lewis and baseball great Gary Maddox finished just out of the top 100 um, of people who use water in the state and then uh, the top entertainers using Water in terms of water per square foot was Danny Gans, who's been you know on the top of all the taxi cabs in Vegas as the entertainer of the year. Seven point nine million gallons of water uh, for his estate, and that's uh, twenty one and a half acres in McDonald's Ranch, uh, very green. Well, rightly so. And uh, uh, Fred Siegel. Um, Checks in at number 44 uh, for wa- uh, water usage at 47, bo- Boxer Floyd Mayweather. Um, a strip cup club mobile, Jack Gilardi, is number 34. Um, and then strip casino mogul Sheldon Adelson uh, is the 79th uh, biggest uh, user of water. Um, so it's just, just a function of dollars and cents, right? I mean, it's not a function of you know, what rights you have. If you turn it on and you can pay for it, good enough, right? Well, that's 
that's certainly, uh, I think, a fair assessment. I mean, I, I do know that, if I remember that article correctly, that there was a quote in there about, uh, if I remember, I'm going to paraphrase it, but essentially the the water authority was saying something along the lines of, you know, we we can charge as you know so much for water, but if if you've got a lot of money and you're willing to pay it, you get to use more water. I mean, I think that that's essentially what they said. Um, I mean, I just have to say what what I think is in everyone's mind if they're listening sure. to this, and it's why don't. Why don't you guys do something about this? I mean, this seems like it's heresy to let this go on, particularly if we're, you know, approaching this era, this age where wars are going to be fought over water in the West. My God, why isn't something being done about this? Sure. Well, I would imagine, again, you know, I have to I have to really be careful not to speak for Southern Nevada or the Southern Nevada Water Authority. I would guess this is probably one of one of their top issues that they have to deal with, and, and I, I know they've done a significant amount of uh, conservation uh, efforts in the recent past, and, and you know, uh, within the past decade or two. Um, and actually, pretty pretty interesting, and I think probably groundbreaking stuff. Uh, you know, I know that for the Nevada is dealing with significant challenges, particularly its population base. It's been I want to say the fastest growing state in the nation for the past two decades, um, with most of that population going to Las Vegas. Uh, they're dealing with a population of more than, I believe, two million people. And they've been able to, as I understand it, reduce their consumptive use of water uh, by about 15 gallons, or sorry, 15 billion gallons. Uh, between 2002 and 2007, despite the fact that they had a huge influx of new residents in those years. So a lot's being done, as I understand it, and I'm also guessing they're probably still facing significant challenges. What I do like to say, even though it gets me in trouble on occasion, is that if you want to see people, cons- if you want to see less water use in Las Vegas, then you can keep hoping the economy stays the way it is, because the less people come to Las Vegas, and as I understand it, uh, a bunch of people have been moving out of Las Vegas, uh, less water is being used. So the need for uh, increased water use is, is much lower. You know what blows me away about uh, Nevada? I was in Reno. Um, uh, actually, I was keynoting the uh, United States Marine Corps Public Affairs Leadership Conference uh, just a couple weeks ago. And uh, we were at the, where were we? Uh, what was it called? Oh, gosh, the name of this hotel. It was one of the big ones. Uh, they have that big um, thing that looks like a uh, an oil well in the middle of it. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, the Silver Legacy. Yeah, yeah. I was at the Silver Legacy. And, uh, you know, we're, we got some got some cigars and we got around the craps table and we figured, you know, we'd have a good time. So, uh we're gambling a little bit, and uh, you know, we're sort of looking around the table, and we, I see this guy. I mean, I'm gambling a couple hundred dollars. He has literally probably, I don't know, looks like $5,000 in chips there, and wow. he's not particularly well-dressed, and the guy has no teeth. And I'm thinking to myself, this is, oh, my God, this is this is gambling here. I mean, this guy you know, should take 1000 of that dollars and go see a dentist. And then come back, yeah. 
But it seems like nothing ever puts a dent in gambling. I mean, if people love to gamble, they gamble either way. Am I wrong? Uh, you know what actually has put a dent into gambling in in Reno in particular, and I'm guessing Las Vegas too, is is the economy and the fact that gaming has been opened up uh, to various states through a variety of means, in particular California and, and Indian gaming. So Reno has seen a, a huge hit in the past few years um, in its gaming revenue. So Nevada as a as a whole, the state is in a is very severe financial crisis at the moment, primarily because uh, hospitality and gaming has taken such a huge hit. Uh, it's actually pretty scary the situation we're in right now. What 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 do you th- what what are your predictions? What what do you think will happen? Well, we have a citizen legislature that meets every two years, and we have an upcoming session beginning in January. And all predictions, and they say this every year, but or every other year when the legislature meets, is that this is going to be probably one of the bloodiest sessions in history. I think we're our unemployment levels are about where they were during the Great Depression. So we're looking at essentially. Um, possibly increased fees and revenues and increased cuts to state government, um, as well as probably some other solutions, such as gaining federal grants and other opportunities for increased funding to state programs. I took a little stroll uh, downtown Reno with my cousin, who's a, uh, a principal of a special education elementary school in Reno. And he showed me these beautiful buildings that had been built, and they're mostly empty. Uh, he showed me all these empty storefronts downtown. I mean, it really did not look good. And he said he's house shopping, and the prices haven't broken. That even though there's this massive inventory, uh, you know, people are holding out. Uh, we're in a severe, I don't know if the official word is depression, uh, <laughs> but definitely a severe financial crisis in Nevada. I believe we're one of the uh, worst states in the country as far as our economic situation. And what you saw downtown is a pretty clear indicator of that. There's neighborhoods in Las Vegas that I know of where there are people or families three families to a neighborhood where there might have been, you know, 20 homes filled a few years ago, and now there's only three left. And so now people are having to protect their properties in ways that they didn't have to before because of squatters, crime, whatever. Uh, so it's it's a pretty dire situation for a lot of folks here right now. And, and is it, what? why, what, I mean, is it pretty much the low interest rates uh, that the Fed set, which led to the housing market that, you know, the increased demand and all these, uh, uh, you know, no no down payment loans, these um, uh, uh, no doc loans. Is that is that what led to this, or is there something else specific to Nevada that we don't know about? Well, yes and no. Um, I, I definitely think the housing market is a huge contributor. Uh, the, the the way that Nevada's tax system is structured, we do not have a, a state income tax. So our revenue is based primarily on industry, uh, gaming, hospitality, uh, at the local levels, property taxes and things like that. So when you have 
less people coming to the state, and on top of that, a housing, a housing crisis. Uh, it's a very deadly combination for a state like Nevada, where we don't have a diverse enough tax base to fall back on. Um, so that's, that's, I think, the best way I can put it. You know, yes, the housing crisis is definitely a huge part of the picture, but it's not just that. It's also the fact that we have less people coming to the state right now, and so much of our economy depends on those people coming here and spending money. When I was younger, and, uh, you know, the Desert Inn was the place to go, everything was really inexpensive. You could go and get a hotel room for next to nothing. You know, the buffet was next to nothing. The, the show, they would comp you everything as long as you gambled. And now, that's not the case anymore. I mean, you can spend several hundred dollars on a, on a hotel room. You can go have a great dinner, but it's going to cost you, you know, a couple hundred bucks. You can go see a fantastic show. The tickets will be a couple, couple hundred bucks. So how much, I mean, of that increase in revenue on the hospitality side makes up for the, the loss of, of gambling? I guess not enough, right? Well, yeah, that's an interesting question. It's, it's not my area of expertise. I, I, I spent some time in Vegas at the end of June, uh, and I do know, I actually spoke with one of the public relations folks for one of the, the casinos there, and he was cautiously optimistic about the situation that, that his particular uh, casino was in. Uh, they do offer a lot of enticing uh, deal still. They're, they're not probably what they used to be in the days that, that you're referring to. I know um, I know the high rollers and the regulars get treated that way still, but to find deals like that anymore, I don't know to what degree you're going to be able to do that. Um, but I do know that, you know, according to this gentleman, uh, there's still a lot of good deals to be found, particularly if you want to go on off days or, you know, in, in uh, you know, say the middle of the week and stay and go to shows and, and whatnot. So I think Las Vegas actually still offers a lot of really good deals. It's just, uh, you know, you may have to search for them or go at times that are a little less convenient than, than you might have otherwise. Bob Conrad is the communications officer for the Nevada Department of Conservation of Natural Resources. His book, The Good, the Bad, and the Spin, is available on Amazon, and we'll have a link to that in the show notes. Bob, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much, Eric. I really appreciate it. You've been listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, the podcast about how technology is changing the world of communications. To subscribe to the podcast or share feedback, visit us online at ontherecordpodcast.com, on Twitter at ontherecord, or send email to ontherecordpodcast at gmail.com.